This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Talking Halos. Derek C. Paul, the co-host today, Brock Davis, as we're getting back from break, coming with some Angels conversation for you as we are approaching New Year. That's right, just a few more hours left in 2019, going 2020, and all the questions are on 2020. Brock, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Wonderful day, full of joy, cheer. I'm looking at snow outside right now, just coming down, kind of angrily, actually. It's kind of mean. It looks kind of mean, but you're in California. You're just, you're just chilling like a villain, aren't you? We've had some snow actually these last couple of weeks. Oh, we this rarely week's do, sign. but yeah, it's a good sign. This week's sign apocalypse is near. Get the snow yeah, out. Good luck. So it is a, a return for us. You have been off the year for a couple of weeks because we're celebrating the holidays, and quite frankly, angels aren't doing anything either right now. So at least. On the surface, doesn't mean it's not anything going on in the background. Chance to go for our visit with our families for the holidays. A chance for us to sit back and look at how we want this podcast for the next year. Got a couple of things going on. And the first thing I just want to put out to you is beginning now, right now. We're going to be doing a contest for the Apple Music Reviews. Once we get to 100 five-star reviews, we're going to pick entries to earn some opening month tickets. I'm going to try and get opening weekend tickets to, for the winner. I don't want to make a promise to Kenki because they're not out yet, but we're, we're going to get tickets no matter what. So this is what you need to do. If you've not left a review for us on Apple Music, go on over there now, leave that five stars, and write in your review for us. In other words, say nice things. Now, listen, if you don't think we deserve a five-star review, then don't do it. Don't do it at all. But this is a way, if you believe we are doing a great job, to enter the contest and you know get a chance to win some tickets. What you need to do then is, with your entry, get a screenshot, email it to us at talkinghalos.com, 
and you'll be entered. Once we get that 100th five-star review, I think we're sitting on like 56 or something like that, then we'll go ahead and draw a name. So that's the bottom line, okay? New contest beginning today. I'm telling you right now, the goal is opening month, opening weekend, shoot for opening day. So again, tickets are not out yet for us to grab them for sure, but there you go. All right, let's see here. A couple days ago, Brock, we actually looked at, you know, what we're going to do for this podcast. And with the Angels being in a standstill, they're, it's, it's putting all of us in a standstill. We're trying to figure out, well, you know, what do we want to talk about? We don't want to just feed a bunch of smoke to you. We don't want to give you a bunch of garbage information and then you leave unhappy listening to our podcast. We want to give you some kind of a substance to conversation. And... One of the things that really bugged a lot of people were, were where were the Angels when Hyun Jin Ryu, Ryu signed for with Toronto? And there was a report from a reporter in, out in South Korea. It was repeated in a Blue Jays blog and then er, er, just egregiously mentioned, talked about, basically written about by an article or 12 up, you know, pretty much all of it not really verified with Angels management that the reason why the Angels didn't want to sign Ryu was because... The, the market's corner. They don't want to deal with just this one right now with she, uh, Otani, Shoya Otani. And that, to me, just reeks of racism, and it's not really something the Angels would ever, I would think, want to do or make public. This is coming from Ryu's camp. And um, I guess I want to get your thoughts on that, too. I was going after the the Blue Jays journal writer about it, and... I didn't see at the top of this page, but he didn't have a source actually written down from when I first read it. Right later on, he did. He says that source has been there. I'm going to choose to believe him. And, but I, I swear, I mean, man, I must be the ADHD person. I'm like not seeing a source for this. Then we kind of found this. This is a South Korean source who was reporting on Ryu from within Ryu's camp. What do you think of this, Brock? Did you hear this rumor? Yeah, this I heard it, and I feel like this is kind of hard to believe. Maybe. It was the, the what was said was manipulated a little bit because a it's hard for me to believe that's what the angels truly thought and b it's hard for me to believe that the angels organization would have told Ryu's camp something along those lines of we basically only want one Asian player to focus on that country's market and I don't really understand that that ideology anyways like even if it even if it is what they said. <clears throat> that doesn't make sense to me how they couldn't like do both markets at the same time that it just doesn't it doesn't really make sense to me and I, I don't really see that being a problem for the angels so it doesn't make sense to me why they'd say that to them and it just doesn't seem like that's something they would do um i don't think we've ever had that problem before i've never heard anything similar to that being said from the angels organization since i followed them so yeah i just it's it's hard to believe, and I feel like if there was something similarly said, it was manipulated to make it sound worse than it really was. If that makes sense. Well, I, if it was true, I think it would have been in the news here. Oh yeah, if it was something verifiable, I think it's went to BS. And none I, of I, our writers have written about it, correct? No, I mean Jeff Fletcher from the Orange County Register went and, and verified it with Scott Boris, who's Ryu's agent, and in Boris, that wasn't true. I would I would think this. One, I'm not going to doubt the South Korean reporters. Right? Apparently, this reporter is very well known, well regarded. 
Um, I would say that if that's what she was told from a member of Reuse Camp, then it, to me it sounds like sour grapes. Like the Angels didn't sign us, uh, or the Angels didn't really want to put the extra out there and kind of bitter at the move to Toronto now. And I don't, I didn't want to do that because if you think Ryu wanted to sign for Toronto, then why do you sit there lingering with that four-year, eighty million dollar offer for a few days? Mm-hmm. The reality is, is he wanted four years, eighty million dollars. Nobody else wanted to give it to him. He, if he wanted four years, eighty, then he's going to Toronto. That's just what it is. And I just don't see a team doing that, especially in the West Coast, given the Asian population. Out in the West, um, past players from Japan, Korea, that have donned a Dodgers uniform, an Angels uniform, a Mariners uniform, all those West Coast teams. I just, that makes no sense. Absolutely none to even take on that policy. It isn't across the board, regardless of any team. Brock, I just don't, it's ludicrous. Absolutely. I Like you said, it just... It literally makes no sense, uh, especially for the Angels, but even across the board. And I, I think it is coming down to a little saltiness that that my guess is the Angels probably put up a you know a two year forty with a third year twenty mil option or something like that. And uh, Reuse Camp was was not too happy with that, saying he deserved four years. And and if that is the case, you know they're saying we never had an offer on the table, but. I don't, I don't know if I believe that either. I think our offer may have not just been nearly as competitive as the Blue Jays, and, and I don't blame them. I didn't want Ryu for four years. I didn't. The max I would have done is three years with a fourth uh, club option, but four years at age 33 is just too is too much for me, especially with his long injury history. I, just, I was hoping to God that we did not offer him the deal that the Blue Jays gave him because regardless of what we need right now, I don't want to be locked up for somewhat mid to long term deals that I don't think are going to pan out. Period. That's just the end of story. And the Rendon deal, whether it's what we need or not, is a heck of a better deal, in my opinion, than a four year Ryu deal. Well, the the Rendon deal fixes a long term problem for the Angels A and B puts you know somebody behind Trout who is. Going to make Trout even better. I, I, that's right, the right. question. I've, I've grown tired of the Rendon arguments as if third base was never a problem. Third base has been a problem for years. I know. It's it's honestly getting fr- – I just brought him up just for the simple fact that every time he gets brought up on social media saying, you know, oh, the Angels are well improved because of Rendon, da da da, da every, every comment I see after that, oh, well, it's not what we needed. Oh, well, it's not what we needed. Well, the thing is is that now we have that extra piece – for that whole seven years to also go along with any pitching pieces we can get in that meantime. Maybe we whiffed on Cole. Maybe we whiffed on Strasburg. Maybe we whiffed on all the pitching guys. That that may be true. But at the end of the day, the, the players decide where they want to go. It, it, we put offers up on the table for the guys that we wanted, especially Cole, and he chose to go to New York. We don't know what the franchise is a little more Cole. I mean, we're told they were close to $300 million, a little bit under. I've seen a report saying he was, they were over $300 million. A report saying, well, actually, if 
they had a better idea that they they were in the play still, that maybe they would have gone higher. The truth is, we don't know what went on in the room between Scott Boris, Garrett Cole, and the Angels. We do know the Angels were in it for a long time. But here's something else I know. Rendon plays every day. Yep. Okay. And if that's the case, I got to say they had to make that call. It doesn't change the fact they need pitching. And a large portion of this episode is going to be grounded in pitching because we have a ton of questions that have come in for Q&A on pitching. But circling back to Ryu, the idea that they are going to basically refuse to bring in somebody else who's, who's Asian because your focus on Otani is just, no. It's silly. It's just silly. I mean, you're basically saying it's marketing. Well, what makes more sense to market? Being a home for Asian players who are looking to come west? Or come east, actually. Come east. Or being a place that is not welcoming to anybody but a person you're trying to put up for money. If you're looking long-term, I want to be a franchise that's known to welcome anybody who posts, who's being posted to come east. That's common sense, at least, I think. You, you want to play in the United States? You know the Angels are well-known for going out there and paying money to get, a, get Asian players. But right? That, that's what I would... I'm totally with you. I, I, I think this whole thing is a joke. I I truly don't understand it. I, don't, I think it's a... I don't know if it's necessarily a hoax, but... I don't think it's a legit story. I, I think it's a story in terms of this is what Reuse Camp told the, the reporter. Okay, and I, yeah. I have no reason to think that reporter is lying. She's she's going to get the this comment from the Reuse Camp, and then she's going to reach out to other sources like the Angels. Apparently, the Angels have not commented on it, and from the Angels, I have a million reasons not to comment on it. One because it's ludicrous, or if it were true, then it would be. Extremely embarrassing. You wouldn't put that kind of policy out in public. But it's, it's just so ludicrous. I have to say, you know what? It sounds to me like sour grapes. You didn't go. You didn't get to stay in the West Coast. You're out in Toronto. Toronto's a great place to live and work. But if you're, you know, someone who spent most of your career out in Los Angeles, you probably didn't want to leave the area. Totally with you. All right. So. We actually have a full show for you guys, and we're going to try and do what we did last time with the Q&A to get things going. We get, we're trying to get these questions beep, beep, beep real quick, but before we do, we do want to remind you again that five-star review. Also, if you are a new listener and you like the show, please text a fellow Angels fan, let them know about our podcast, or you know, give a call. If you're going out to the ballpark this year, look for John. You know John will be out there, and of course... We'll, we'll send. We'll, we'll see if Brock can go a couple times. You go this, this year? How much do you go? I'm, I'm, I'm for sure going. I, uh, I'm pretty much done with school in June. So once July hits, I'm going to probably be going to at least five or six between June and the end of the season. At least, I'm jealous. All right, so let's get into this. We have a bunch of questions on pitching, and so uh, I'll probably say a couple of them together just to be sure. I'll start with uh, at Carol Bass C. Carol, Carol, can't even say it right. K A R A L, Carol, B A S S. And he says, first and most important question: Where are the additional starting pitchers? Brock, go for it. 
Okay, so just so you know, I don't know if you, you could probably hear it, but I am uh, still getting over a cold, so bear with me. I'm doing my best, but I did not want to miss another show for you guys. I think I missed two in a row, so I'm here. I'm here to talk about starting pitching, which I've done a lot of research on, and uh, I'm here to give you some cool information, hopefully some ideas that you hadn't thought of before. So since I know that a lot of these questions are going to be based off of uh, trades for pitchers, I have a lot of different ones here. That way, if we come up with a similar question, I could still bring up a new name. So for this first question, I'm going to come up with a, a couple blockbusters here that a couple people may have not thought about. Now, these people may or may not be available via trade. They may or may not take more from us to get them because of the years of control, but I'm going to throw them out there for thoughts anyways. The first one, one of the most intriguing ones that I liked was Wilson Contreras and Kyle Hendricks. And I like this a lot. Uh, Hendricks had a 3.9 war last year, has a career 3.14 ERA. Uh, also, he was born and raised in OC. Went to high school in Mission Viejo. He was drafted by us. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, but the problem is he has four years of control, and it's going to be 14 mil for the years. And he also has a 2024 vesting option for 16 mil if he places top three in Cy Young this year. And also Contreras is also three years of arbitration control and one of the best catchers in baseball. So unlikely – but I really, really like it. I think Kyle Hendricks um, is is a phenomenal pitcher. I believe his nickname is the Professor, if I'm not mistaken, because of his location control. So he's not a high velocity guy that maybe some guys would want, you know, like a Cindergard or or a Clevenger. But I feel like he'd be a good fit for us. It would just depend on where the Cubs' direction is trying to go, especially if they could get Bryant off their payroll. Um, Contreras if they trade him and that's all they want to do uh, but it's just an, an option out there that uh, is out there that I think would be I mean technically we'd be adding close to seven war with with those two additions so uh, I'll leave that one for this question and I have a bunch more to get through for the rest of the show now repeat that one more time the, who are you sending back over <clears throat> for those deals see this is this is the problem with these deals is that I feel like it's almost impossible to try to say who we would or would not send over for certain people just because each team is looking for something a little different. Just like with the Indians when they wanted uh, they wanted March for uh, Kluber. And then they go and make a trade with the Rangers and it's for Delino DeShields and some prospect reliever. So when you look at what they asked from us – in comparison to what they got from the Rangers, you're kind of confused. But we don't really have an a, a, an MLB outfield-ready guy that we'd want to trade right now other than Justin Upton. They probably wouldn't want to eat that contract. It would defeat the purpose of them trading Kluber. So when you when you really break it down, you can, you can bring up names all day long of who you would or would not want to send over. But as far as who you think would actually realistically go, it's almost impossible to tell just because you don't know what you know the Cubs or any other team would actually be asking for. Uh, but in my opinion, if we got Contreras and Hendricks with, with three years of control for Contreras and four years for Hendricks, um, with the upside that both of those guys have and how young they both are, um, I'd be willing to send a decent amount over there. Uh, for me, every trade that I'm going to bring up today, Adele is off the table. Uh, I'm not sending Adele anywhere for anybody. 
uh, I don't think there's anybody out there, um, unless it was like a straight up ace with a lot of years of control with additional pieces that I'd be willing to send to Dell for. And none of the trades that I'm going to bring up today are meet any of that criteria. So for me, Adele, we're not going to even bring him up today because in my opinion, he's, he's off the table and he should be, uh, as far as Marsh, um, maybe even Jared Walsh, Matt Thies, uh, Fletcher Listella, those are all names that you can play with depending on who you're asking for. But at the end of the day, like I said, it, it's it's honestly impossible, and it's really up to an opinion on what you're willing to give up for the quality that you're getting and what the team is requesting for what you're asking for. So you can leave that up for interpretation. You really wouldn't deal Adele unless it's like no, this blow-away deal. No, you, I wouldn't. You're honestly. that high on him. It's not that I'm that high on him. It's just that there's so many other options that are probably available without giving him up that, you know, say, for example, we we don't, for whatever reason, sign another uh, free agent or make a trade this, this uh, offseason. And then July comes around and we still don't make a trade. And then Adele comes up, uh, say, you know, right after All-Star break and he kills it from july to the end of the season he's our starting right fielder every day he stays healthy he kills it he drops a 2.53 war in 80 games that would be a sign to me that we should be a little more patient and unless we whiff again on every free agent in the 2020 to 2021 offseason then Either something will need to be figured out because we have the other pieces to make trades. We have higher end, decent prospects that people would be interested in without needing to give up Adele. I just don't think there's. If you're trying to talk about trading the fourth overall prospect, you need to be bringing up a bigger name than Matt Boyd, John Gray, even Mike Clevenger. Like Mike Clevenger has ace like stuff, but he's a top prospect. And if we have other pieces, and we're not that desperate. There's no reason to trade your number one prospect for a guy that may not have the same upside as yours. And and that's just my that's just my opinion because it would be a different story if we didn't have the other pieces, if we didn't have the financial flexibility to sign free agents, if we didn't have those two things, and all we had was Adele, and he was our saving grace. All right, we're going to make the right move at the right time. We're going to get our guy with Adele because he hasn't proven himself yet, I would understand that. But we have the financial flexibility and we have multiple other players in MOB and prospect-wise that many people are interested in having. So I just don't see the reason of just throwing Adele's name out there for for just anybody that you could probably throw in two other average or a little bit above average prospects for and, and instead of throwing Adele's name in there. And that's just my opinion. And I can understand where somebody else could disagree, but that's just mine. Well, you aren't really going to throw his name in there. Teams are going to ask for him. Yeah, and I'm going to tell That's, them no. <laughs> and they're going to they're going to ask for him. But because you tell me, yeah, Clevenger for Adele, do you do that deal? No, I don't. No, no way. So who? Degrom. Degrom for Adele, but he's he's on a no trade clause, I believe. But you do Degrom for Adele, straight uh, up Degrom Adele. How many years of control does the Grom have? Because that that matters to me. That's what I was actually thinking. Jeez, how many does he have? Because I'm certain that the Grom has. You know, we're talking about a proven starter versus a guy we think will be a star. Uh, so he's free agent 24. So we'd have him for three years, I believe, if my math. I 
probably would want to swing that deal. Oh, that's four years, actually. If we did it right now, that would be four years of control. And, and they would probably say no. Because, again, a proven commodity, is, especially as a pitcher, is much more valuable than a guy who is we think will be a star, but is coming up. We have to be careful that we don't, we don't overstate what he's worth. He is a top prospect in the organization, the number four in baseball. That number will probably change when the season starts. But we have every reason to believe that he's going to be a star. But going to be and being a star are two different things. We thought Dallas McPherson was going to be a star. We thought Brandon would be yeah. stars. And they didn't work out, and that does happen. But teams are going to measure based on the now. And that would make you go back to the other trade, to Clevenger. I wouldn't trade Clevenger because trade for Clevenger for, straight up for Adele because I have some... Some concerns with Clevenger. Really? Okay. I think he's a fantastic pitcher. I also think that the way the Indians did things out there in Cleveland were more conducive for him. I don't know if they'll be that way out there in Angels land. But if there's a different package there, I'd be open to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just just think I, I value DeGrom a little more, that's all. That's where I would go with it. So, give us your opinions on that, folks. I mean, how much do you value Joe Adele? How much do you value uh, him in terms of trade? Some of you are going to be like, yeah, trade him! And some of you are going to be like, ah, no, 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 hold on to him. Let us know your thoughts over on Twitter when you listen to the podcast. really appreciate it. Also, on the Talking Halos page or in the Talking Halos group, you can you know leave your thoughts in there as well. Going on here, that brings us to the question from Halo AK5. He asked what what front-line starting pitchers are readily available via trade and how would you rank them? I've heard rumors of these starting pitchers being available. Boyd, Gray, Ray, Stroman, and Clevenger. What would you rank them? Uh, Just out of those? Yeah, sure those. Uh, I would go Clevenger 1. I would go John Gray 2. I would go Robbie Ray 3. Matt Boyd 4. Marcus Stroman, five. Really? Yes. I am not high on Marcus Stroman at all, personally. Uh, and I I will tell you that the two uh, the two out of those that I, I, I actually truly want is Clevenger and John Gray. And I've seen a lot of people not wanting or liking John Gray. And I, I don't necessarily know why. It's probably, you know, his course field stats shouting through. But... I believe the average, I was looking at something the other day, it was actually about John Gray, I think it was on Twitter, and it said that the average ERA at Coors Field was like a 5.65 or something like that. This guy had a 3.84 ERA last year in 26 starts, which is phenomenal for, for Coors Field, especially, you know, he's, he threw 150 innings, he had a K per inning, he had a 1.3 whip, which again, I believe is above average for Coors Field. He, had, he dropped a four war last year in only 150 innings. So you get 50 extra innings out of him magically. Or we'll even say, we'll even say 30 and put him at 180. That's, that's projects him at like maybe a five, a five war. And he's 28 years old. He had the, he was technically by war. He was the 10th best National League pitcher last year. And we would get two years of control. So maybe uh, the Rockies asking price would not be as high as what the Tigers are asking for Boyd due to the three years of control. Um, and his projections are not good. And I don't know if that's 
why some people are shooting this down because he's projected to have a four four one. Um, but he has some decent upside. I've watched some highlights of his. He has some some pretty nasty stuff, and it would be nice to get him. And he's a lefty too, isn't he? Oh no, he's a righty. He's a righty. Never mind. I'm thinking of Robbie Ray. Uh, yeah, I just feel like he would be a good piece. And other than Clevenger, for me, I think he would be the best piece for us, in my opinion. Uh, it would be the perfect median between how much we're going to give up and what we're going to get for it. I, I don't think that we're going to meet a deal with, with the Tigers for Boyd that I'm happy with. Um, <clears throat> and they're getting away with that just for the simple fact that he has three years of control. And I think that's kind of how they're they're moving around saying, oh, well, we want this because you guys would have him for three years and you could do so much with him in these three years and he's still young and throwing all those things out there. But I don't think Boyd has as much potential with us than John Gray would. Uh, I do like Robbie Ray. I, I do like him. Um, I believe he had a one war last year and his his projections are decent this year, but he only has one year of control. So that's the one thing I do like about it is that their asking price would probably be fairly low for Robbie Ray. Um, and we would not need to throw in a, a, a Marsh and a Dale probably would not even be close to mentioned by the D-backs. They'd be fools if they did. And uh, so we could probably get Ray for somewhat low prospects maybe one high one, high-ish one, you know, throw in the thighs and then a couple lower ones. Stroman, however, I, I don't know why you seem so surprised, but I'm just not really a fan of, of Stroman. I don't really know why. I like him as a person. He, he seems super cool and uh, down to earth. But as far as pitching, I just, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, yeah, I'm wondering what four, it is. 4.1 war last year, but he's just not broken out to what he should yet. And if there's something holding him back and I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's not a, a proper pitching coach, you know, maybe he didn't have the proper coaching in, in Toronto. I mean, he had his one amazing year and, in, in, uh, he did pretty good last year, but the years before that, it was like, meh, but <clears throat> he had a, he had a, he started off pretty good with, uh, Toronto. I think uh, I'm looking at it here, 2.96 ERA in, in 21 games. Uh, but then he dropped off a little bit when he went to New York, uh, pretty significantly, actually. His FIP went up 70 points, and ERA went up almost a full point. So, I don't know. I How many years of control does Stroman have, do you know? Oh, it's just one. That would be my, my change of mind, too. I, I would definitely, I, I thought uh, he had more years of control than that. So, you you give us one year of control of Stroman, it would, the asking price would probably be somewhat low. I'm looking at it here. His salary for 2020 is going to be arbitration. He made 7.4 last year. He's probably looking at about 8, eight to 8.5 ish he'd make. Um, yeah, I, I would do it, but I, I would uh, make sure that the Mets' asking price isn't, isn't ridiculous. And uh, I would pray that he would make another 3.5 to 4 war season for us. Listen, I'm all over this guy. I mean, if he's available and they can get him reasonably affordable, then I think you go after him. I mean, he's a victim of circumstance here. You honestly. think so? I think so. Look at his look at his career numbers. He had one rough year, only play only started 19 games that year. Only one year in his entire career where he's been over a 4-5 ERA. And that was in 2018. Only had 19 starts that year. It was a rough year for him. Injuries obviously happened. But the rest of his career, 
first year 2014, 365. 2016, had a 437 ERA, 9 and 10. Did start 32 games. His stats on the back line there weren't too shabby. 166 strikeouts, 54 walks. It's not a big walk machine. Just looks like he had a rough year in terms of luck that year. Then 2017, 309 ERA. 309. This is in Absolutely. Toronto with with that turf there. Are you kidding me? Two complete games. 2018 was his, was the uh, the injury year. 2019 though, six and eleven record up front. Two nine six for Toronto. In yeah, you get traded in New York. You're getting used to facing different teams. People don't know you as well. I can see why his ERA would go up. They're a little more involved in the pennant race, but still, it's four and two, three, seven, seven during his time there. I just look at that and go, okay, he's going to get you between one fifty-five and one seventy strikeouts a year. He's going to get you. He's not going to walk a lot of folks. He's going to give up a whole lot of home runs. He generally is well. He's solid, is what he is. He's not going to be a guy who is going to thrill you every night with Garrett Cole stuff. But will he produce a game every time out where he's in it? And I think that the answer is yes. Uh, that's the kind of guy you want if he's affordable. So I was really surprised when you said Strowman because it makes a whole lot of sense to me to get him on the cheap if you can. So I'm not going to lie. When I first said no, I could have sworn on my life that he had more than just one year. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know if I mixed him up with somebody else. But but when you bring up the one-year control thing, that changes a lot just due to the fact that the asking price is going to be way lower if it's just one year. So I just long, long term, I'd be scared and I'd be, I'd be afraid to give him our top prospects just because it's not necessarily what Stroman can give us. It's, it's what other, other pitchers could give us that we might be more sure about with the same players we could give for that. You know, so if we have a, a little more, uh, consistent pitcher or, you know, one that, you know, put up a very solid year last year. Uh, maybe two years of control, maybe not three, but two. Uh, it's just, it's, it, there's so many different variables, and and if if it's only one year of control for him, I, I do like that deal, especially if he puts up similar to what he did last year. And uh, I, I'd be totally down with that. I, I I don't know about throwing in Marsh. That's that's uh, up to. I think you to would say goodbye, Jeremiah Jackson. There is what would happen. Mm-hmm. I can hey. see that. I mean, I think Jeremiah Jackson will be a name we hear a lot. I'm hearing, you know, from a lot of folks that that's a name that is being brought up a whole lot. And I, I'm looking back at the, the what the Blue Jays did during this time frame as well, and it, they are really just now getting into a rebuild that I think will be a short one. By the way, 2019 they were 67.95, and just getting a whole bunch of guys coming up. I think the Blue Jays are going to be a lot better next year, but. They traded him when they were a lot worse, actually. First part of the year. You have the 28 Jays are 73 2017, 86. They had a good year in 2016 and 2015. 2014, they're decent. So they've never been a world beater there. His last three years in Toronto, they were fourth out of five teams in the AL East. They were, and they were facing off every year with the Red Sox, the Yankees. All those guys, I'm Tampa Bay. I mean, that's that's a division right there. That's a real deal. One of the toughest divisions in the league normally, and I'm looking at that going. Well, come on, look at who he's had to face. Yeah, look at who he's had to face. Then goes to New York with the Braves and the Phillies and the Nationals in that division. 
I mean, he's becoming to a pretty hard division with us, too. I mean, I believe he's, last year the, the Amer- American League West was one of the best divisions in baseball by record. And But you know what? In this division, at least, in, on this team, you have a really good defense behind you. Yeah. And, and you have a very, very definitely in a more of a pitcher's park and Angel Stadium. That's that's another thought of uh, when people bring up Boyd and uh, John Gray. They're both in major hitting ballparks, Comerica Park and uh, Coors Field. No, 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 no. Park. Comerica is not a major hitting park, man. They they rank them top five. But with that being said, all their ranks are based off of oh, off of like run production, OPS, slug stuff like that, and who pitches it's called at bad pitching. Park. It's called bad pitching. <laughs> exactly. So, but but you know, if that's the case, then we can't really hold much water under any stadiums if that's going to be the case, because you could just look at the team on every stadium because the Rockies have never really had solid pitching either. Well, so no, you go really you go down, or is it the pitching? Well, it depends on, on the situation. The Rockies, remember, they they got to the point where they're using a humidor on balls yeah. to dead the ball. There's an, an altitude; the ball does do different things. I get that, but when you have a ballpark like. Comerica, which has traditionally been a pitcher's park, they've actually had to bring the fences in. Did it in New York too. I get that, but you go the long term history is that a pitcher's park or a hitter's park. It doesn't matter how much of a pitcher's park it is if your pitching sucks. Yeah. And outside of Boyd, who really pitched well in Detroit last year, and Boyd was questionable. The whole team behind him was horrible. That's why. That's why I'm not as worried about Dylan Bundy coming over. Everybody's bad on the Bundy trade. If the Angels can put a defense behind Bundy and tweak him a little bit with one of the best pitching coaches in the league, they may have gotten something really special for what? It's like six million, I think. I mean, what? It's not just, it's, it's ah, geez. The number was it number fifteen prospect and three other guys who weren't even listed on there. Oh yeah, yeah. Two yeah. guys who never even wore the uniform in the minor leagues for the Angels yet. I mean, I I was high on a couple of them, but a starter who will give you innings. I'm not saying it's going to happen. What I'm saying will happen is that there is a lot of changing parts in terms of the situation. And just wrapping back to Stroman playing in Toronto on that turf against one of the toughest hitting divisions in the league. I, you know what? I'm going to tell you, I, I give Stroman a shot if I can get that trade. Okay. The guy's the guy's just his him personality wise too is a good fit for Cali. Honestly, down to earth. Um, respectful. Uh, I just remember that series with the Angels last year. Oh, where he uh, was talking to Trout. You're yeah, the I best mean, to ever play, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's just real deal respect towards people, and you want that those kind of people on your team. And uh, so, it looks like this this Q and A may have to be a little short here because we're only a few questions in, and you guys sent a lot of great questions. So we may, you know, pack it in this this weekend as well. Add more questions. So if we don't get to all the questions today, and we're, we're actually getting into some serious conversation for it, let's do one more. And we'll call it a night or day, night, day, whatever it is. See here. We'll start with the pitching for now, and then we're going to hit some bullpen stuff this weekend. And the um, some other questions there as well. Bullpen ran the entire off season. Real quick on bullpen, Catchers. we're not going to talk about it, but I just want to throw out a couple of names out there for people to Google for next show, and that is uh, Will Harris and Daniel Hudson. Look them up. Look at their stats. Look at their ages. Look at their uh, projected salaries and uh, 
come back with some Twitter questions before next show and tell us how you guys feel about uh, you know short short one or two year deals for uh, either one of those guys and uh, not not in, not in change of a not an exchange of a starting pitcher but additional if we trade for a pitcher and we go after one of those guys let us know. All right, so we're going to stick with this here because we mentioned it earlier on the show. This is from Angel Savior at Real Angel Savior on Twitter, asking, "What do you think about a trade for Clevenger? Is it possible to not include Adele or Marsh in that deal?" And I'll go with you first since I've shared some of my feelings. I don't think they're all fleshed out yet, but go on, go ahead. Uh, I would love a trade for Clevenger. Uh, I think that. Other than, you know, obvious aces, you know, that are completely out of the possibility of, of being realistic. Clevenger is my favorite deal that we can make. I think I've been high on him for a while. In fact, I, I put down I put down money on him at the beginning of uh, last season for Cy Young. And I was honestly pretty close to making that happen. He put put up a four point two war in twenty starts. And I think when he was there, he was the best pitcher in baseball maybe other than Garrett Cole. But I, I think he was definitely in the conversation of being in those three with Verlander, Cole, and him while he was healthy and while he was pitching. He was phenomenal. He was ridiculous. Um, I've been high on Clevenger for a long time. I'm sad that we ever got rid of him. Uh, but to answer your specific question, I definitely think it's possible to get him without including Adele. Uh, without including Marsh would be tough. It would have to be you know, like a major package of – average to above average people uh to get him without including Adele or Marsh. So you're talking uh Marsh, Thighs, uh Fletch, or maybe Lestella instead, uh maybe even Walsh, uh Jeremiah Jackson. So there's you know there's a multiple uh Michael Hermosia. So you'd have to probably go the route of four, five, six guys which is pretty crazy to think about without having to include the high, high ticket one. Uh, if you throw in Marsh in there, you could probably get away with Marsh and maybe two other guys. So maybe like a Marsh thighs and Jeremiah Jackson or, uh, say Marsh Listella and a lower end one, uh, maybe a, a younger pitcher. That's not, we're we're not super high on. Uh, but I think you definitely need to offer somebody with uh, either proven MLB ability, which is where Fletcher or Listella come in, or you offer the high-end prospect, which is where Adele and Marsh come in. Um, with the Indians asking price for Kluber, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they pretty much required Marsh to be in that deal. If they required Marsh to be in for Kluber, they're going to require it for to be in for Clev, and they're also going to ask for more. Uh, but if you were to ask me right now, would you trade uh, Marsh and two other average prospects for Clevenger? I would 100% do it. I really like him a lot. Um, I think that he would. He's going to be a top 10 MLB pitcher next season. Uh, not just American League. I think he's going to be top 10 overall. He's got high velocity. He's got a disgusting slider, and uh, I like his. Uh, he's super down to earth, and I think he's a great fit for us. And uh, like I said, I think out of the actual realistic deals, uh, regardless of whether they're actually available or not via the teams, I think Clevenger and Syndergaard are probably like the two that I'm highest on. And I think Syndergaard is a lot less realistic than Clev. So Clev is my favorite deal. 
and Marsh is going to need to be in that deal, but still a no on Adele. All right, so I'll keep mine short. I love Clevenger as a pitcher. I wonder how much he'd enjoy going back to play in in California. I know his problems were with management. That's different. It's a different group now. I'm his son that, but the reality is you're not going to get him for you're not going to get him without putting Adele or Marsh or maybe both in that deal. I mean, the Indians know what the Angels need, and they're going to get everything they can out of. That's one of the reasons why we we, we saw reports on the Kluber deal possibly breaking down and did you know we don't know what the Angels offered. It apparently, didn't work, but we know they asked for a lot for Kluber, a guy I don't really have faith in right now. So. The answer is no, it's not going to work. I would love to trade for Clevenger. The, the reality is the Angels have a rebuilt farm system. They have a lot of depth in there. They have a lot of guys who can develop into solid major league players, a couple who develop into stars, and a couple I think will be stars. But they don't have the high, high-end talent yet to really just blow prospects right now. Okay, and Let me throw this out there real quick. Bauer and Clev. Uh, Bauer's a free agent coming no, up. No, I know. I'm saying trade for Clev and then sign Bauer when he's a free agent. Or even trade for Bauer at All-Star break to make a playoff push and then try to re-sign him. I think there's a good chance to get him next year anyways. Sorry, say that again? I think there's a good chance to get Bauer anyways next year. Oh, I do too. But I was just talking about pairing those two up again. I think that would be legit. I mean, all the rumors about Bauer that are out there. Um, we'll see if that smoke and mirrors or not, but I think there's a really good chance the Angels get Bauer next year. I'm not sure if that's a, a midseason deal worth trying to make or not, simply because you don't know where you're going to be quite yet. Yeah, I can see that. I would definitely like to have him, though. Yeah, I would, too. And But Bauer's also noted in the past that he'll only sign one-year deals. I'm not sure yeah, the Angels are feeling like that. Why, I don't know why he does that. Right. He wants to have that freedom, and I don't blame him. You know, everybody's different, and when you've had some issues within your clubhouse before, you can understand that. All right, folks, we are going to be back this weekend. It'll be a longer podcast because Halo Joe's going to be on the show as well, and he has a lot. Of, we didn't even get. I talked to him already. We didn't even get knee deep into into the Angels' history with him. We just scratched the surface. So that'll be out this weekend. Sorry for a little bit of a short pod today, but it's New Year. We're going to try and get this thing out and go spend time with family. But we don't want to leave you hanging any longer. So before we go, again, we remind you we have a new contest beginning just right now. Right now. Okay. For the five-star reviews, don't forget all the rules, but you take a screenshot, say it over to us at talkinghalos at gmail.com, and they'll enter you in. Once we get to 100, we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and pick a winner. That's going to be for early season Angels tickets or and let you know we're shooting for opening weekend, maybe even opening day. It'll be a tough sell for us to try and get it, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. Okay. You can find me on Twitter at DC. You can find Brock at BDRocks8. You can find Talking Halos at Talking Halos and on Facebook at uh, the Talking Halos page of Talking Halos group as well. We'll be back this weekend for the entire team here. This is Derek C. Paul saying we're out of here. See you, see you Sunday. See ya. The 
else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history still in the making? Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.